When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. With how top heavy our roster is right now, with the contracts we have out there, um, these players that we're bringing in uh, have to come in and contribute. And, you know, all these players that do have these big contracts were basically brought in, developed, and then received it. All right, so as I was walking in, I was looking around. It's a little gray outside. I think I felt a couple of raindrops hit me. I pulled up my phone app, and I looked at the future forecast, and it's not good for this weekend. It's in the 40s, potentially in the 30s at night. There's rain, but yet for some reason, Courtney... I feel like it's a beautiful day. This is Christmas, except you have to wait until 7 o'clock to open your presents. There are rays of sunshine just beaming around me and you and this studio and all of football, even if the weather is bad. I mean, I have a sunny disposition to begin with, so Uh, this always happens. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of my favorite days. And I know how you're mentioning the weather. The great part about being an NFL beat writer, it doesn't matter because you're in a bunker for three straight days covering the draft. Saturday, going in before the sun's up in some cases. I don't know. i probably get there at 6 a.m. to see I'm so jacked. Just grind some tape with yeah. some potential sixth rounders. Oh, you know, and sixth round linebackers and me. That's uh, that is a Saturday special. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is this is such a fun time of year. And I just feel like the buzz around this year's draft and knowing what Arizona is going to do to kick things off here at the first pick. Um and still kind of having a little bit of uncertainty because it's been very level that, okay, this is what they're doing. They're taking Kyler Murray. Where does Josh Rosen go? I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot more buzz at the top of the draft this year. It's going to affect everything else and potentially throw a lot of stuff off. Do you think that Arizona was told by the NFL, hey, if you've got a decision, don't say it because this is the best storyline that this draft has going for it. Kyler Murray, will he go number one? Will you trade out of it? So if you know... Don't tell anybody till that very last moment and then make that selection. Because I, I feel like in the past, we used to find out who the number one overall pick was, and it would kind of ruin the drama a little bit for some of these drafts. And for this one, it's got tremendous drama with the first pick because even as of today, people were reporting that inside the Arizona Cardinals bunker, if you will, there were still debates over the top three players, Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa, and Kyler Murray, 
for me, there really isn't much of a conversation. If there's a quarterback that belongs at the number one pick, I don't care who you picked last year. If someone's that good, you pick him anyway, and then you make decisions after that. Which guy to trade if they want to trade Josh Rosen. Uh, But Kyler Murray is a very unique and special prospect. If it were me, there wouldn't even be a debate. It would be just take him number one. No defensive player is ever going to be as valuable as this guy could be to us. But the drama around it now, as we go into the final hours, it's been made to seem like the Cardinals are going to take it to the very last minute before they make this decision. The intrigue around this year's quarterback class. I mean, last year had a really, really good class, especially the first round guys from from Darnold to to Baker Mayfield to Lamar Jackson, yeah. all the way there at the end. And there's definitely not that much intrigue in terms of just where these guys project down the road. I mean, there's just not a lot of sexy starters in there. I mean, does Drew Locke really like move the needle all that much in the national p- picture? Daniel Jones, those guys. It's Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, and. I think just given where Dwayne Haskins is projected and if he even deserves to be that low shows you what this defensive line group that's catching all of the attention is doing to the rest of the draft. But as you said, it all starts with that number one pick. And if they don't go quarterback, if they decide they want to stay with Josh Rosen, which throws off the plans for at least two or three other teams that might be involved in last minute trade talks, then things start to get really, really interesting and can get sticky as guys fall out of the top 10 and possibly to number 18, where the Minnesota Vikings are set to pick tonight. That thing, That is what I think is going to cause the most intrigue, the most drama going into Thursday night's draft. Just wondering, okay, is are, are we going into this expecting it to stay the way that we expect it to, or has this been the biggest smokescreen of all time? And uh, that would be really mind-blowing if that was the case, if they just decided after all of this and all of the conversation about trading Rosen at the very last minute, it would almost be like a movie. They could call it Draft Day. Um, I saw that movie. Did you really? I did. I was in Destin. It looks way too cheesy It was fantastic. I saw it in Destin, Florida in the spring of 2014. It was a great movie. Really? Yes. It was like, you're being serious? I enjoyed it. It was cheesy? I, I mean... Yes, it was cheesy, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, so let me just move past that. Okay. And uh, Kyler Murray, which team takes him? Which team trades with Arizona? Or do they just not take him and let him fall to wherever? I can't imagine that. If you've got the number one pick, then someone's going to want to trade up for it. But if you're the Raiders, would you roll the dice considering that San Francisco and the New York Jets have quarterbacks and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to trade for that pick. We're not giving away our first three uh, first round picks because San Francisco and the Jets, they're not taking him. But if you were San Francisco, wouldn't you be clever to take Kyler Murray and then trade him to somebody else immediately? Potentially. Uh, I think the that ra- could be fun. The ra- yeah, God, that would just make for an even bigger domino effect. The Redskins are the ones who are going to potentially be the most hurt out of all of this. Because don't you remember yesterday that that talk started picking up that Daniel Snyder's apparently taking over the first round, which I mean that's never good because uh, the last time that happened, I think it's the RG three when he went to when he went and got him in two thousand and twelve. Um, but this to me just this screams smokescreen. I just don't see that happening given where the Raiders stand right now. Um, John Gruden may not love Derek Carr, and that's fine, but do they love Kyler Murray enough? I mean, I, I don't know. I think that they've got enough draft capital in the first round that they could get a Dwayne Haskins, they could get a Drew Locke, a Daniel Jones, and not have to worry about it. Um, 
I just I just don't know. I, I don't know if I would if I would make that to me doesn't seem like the wisest fit. The interesting part about the Raiders and potentially moving up to get Kyler Murray is a that they have the draft capital to do it, assuming mm-hmm. it would be just be a traditional trade. But the other part is John Gruden's plan slash ego is a fascinating part of this draft. Does he want Derek Carr to be his quarterback when Derek Carr wasn't the guy that he handpicked? And you could see John Gruden having issues with Derek Carr because he's just not his guy. So he's going to nitpick or he's not going to like him or he's going to want to trade him. And plus, Derek Carr is making a lot of money to be the what? 15th, 18th, 22nd best quarterback in the league, depending on how good his team is around him. He has the potential to be somewhere in the top 10, maybe kind of like a poor man's Kirk Cousins. Is that somebody that you want to lock into? If well, he you have wins. He wins games in the fourth quarter. That, He's come back and won games true. in the f- fourth quarter. So if you're saying it's a poor man's Kirk Cousins, it's a, I don't know if I agree with that. It's a poor man's Kirk Cousins from where he ranks in the league and how much he needs around him to succeed. Fair. When it hasn't been great, they've been a terrible team. And when they had a really stacked group around them, especially uh, with some running backs who could run after catch and an amazing offensive line and a good running game, then Derek Carr was much better, and he won those games in the fourth quarter. And maybe that is the difference between them, but you would still put Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr in a similar bucket of the mid-pack quarterbacks who are greatly impacted by supporting cast. Well, Kyler Murray has the potential with his running ability and his arm, which is, I think is much better than Derek Carr's, to be the type of quarterback who elevates everybody around you and becomes a franchise quarterback. That, that to me, if I'm the Raiders, would be so enticing that I probably would trade the, first, the, the three first-round picks mm-hmm. and then continue to build from there. Yes and no. I think that they have so many other holes on that team. And what happened last year trading away Khalil Mack, yes, you got draft capital, but what, did your team have like, 10 or 11 sacks as a team. Yeah, I think it was 13. Like, fi- fix that. That's a problem. You need a good pass rush in this NFL to win games. So, I think Carr, with the supporting cast that he has right now, get him some weapons, get him some receivers. The whole Amari Cooper deal, he just couldn't make it work because they were just throwing him underneath for about three years. It wasn't working. Maybe the new offense, maybe some of the changes that you know have taken place from year one to year two are going to come to fruition if you can get Derek Carr some weapons. But I don't think... I don't think a change at quarterback, yes, I know he's trying to hedge right here and build his team the way he wants to by doing everything he did in the offseason in free agency, but in my opinion, there's other needs that this team needs to address before quarterback. I think you can get by with Derek Carr for at least another year, and then you could could use one of those first-round picks to draft one later. It just won't be Kyler Murray. Special two-hour Purple Daily here on a Thursday. It is NFL Draft Day. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Hosting with you, if you want to chime in, I would love your bold draft predictions. doesn't have to be about the Vikings, but it most certainly can be. 651-646-8255 is the number. 651-646-8255. Give us a call. Give us your bold draft predictions for tonight as we continue to go through. I made a list of 25 players that could be interesting for the Vikings. We'll go through some of those as well. Let's uh, start on the phones here with Joe from Duluth. What's up, Joe? Hey, man, how's it going? Exciting day. Yeah, it's going good, man. Um, yeah, so I, I have a couple uh, predictions for the draft. Um, one Vikings, one non. The Vikings one, not not really a bold one, but I do agree with Courtney, which what she's been preaching on Twitter. I think the guy's Bradbury for us. 
I think he just fits so well in the scheme. I watched the uh, replay of the NC State Clemson game last night, and he held up really well against their D line. He's so good at getting to the second level, and I think it could kill two birds with one stone by moving Elfine's guard. I think that helps him. He graded better as a guard in college, and I think it makes it a little bit easier for him not having to worry about as much as the uh, protections and stuff like that. So I think Bradbury's a perfect fit. I think he'll be there, and I think it'd be a really smart pick. Um, my second non-Vikings boulder prediction, I would say, I think it's going to be Cincinnati rather than Washington moving up for Haskins. Uh, ideally with the Jets at three, I think they got their new coach, Zach Taylor. They're going to let him go get his guy. And uh, Dalton has two years left with no dead cap, so I think it's pretty easy to move on from him. And if they want um, to move on from Marvin Lewis in that era, I think they really have to go full force and get totally new guys all around. So those are my two takes. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to see what the Vikings do. And, you know, hopefully it's a a successful three days. All right. Thanks for the call, Joe. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Let's start with the first thing with Garrett Bradbury. That has been your guy Mm -hmm. and someone that I think when you look even just a little bit closely at has the athleticism, the scheme fit. He's a better center prospect than Pat Elfline was coming out of college. You can move Elfline to guard where he would be comfortable playing. It does make a ton of sense for the Vikings to look at Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, I mean, it drastically improves the state of your offensive line by moving pieces around that you already have. Like, you don't have to go all in and go get a tackle and a guard in the first two rounds, which I know Vikings fans would love to see them just hedge all their draft capital, the top rounds, to go and fix the offensive line. It doesn't work like that. Which actually, just as an aside that I'd like to come back to, I did my final draft sim today, and there were some really not, I was being as most realistic, realistically possible as I could. And there were some not happy people who were, huh. n- who were just angry right, that I didn't go. You that, posted this on Twitter? I did. That I, that I just didn't go all in and go get Chris Lindstrom right after I got Garrett Bradbury or get, you know, Elkton Jenkins or, you know, go after Dalton Reisner. There's reasons for that. But in terms of a guy like Garrett Bradbury, he allows you position flexibility with what you already have. He's a scheme fit from the sense that at North Carolina State, he ran the outside zone scheme. He's a converted tight end, turned guard, turned center. He has experience at both. But the best fit for him is going to be sliding into that center spot, moving Pat Elfline over to left guard, where he played guard at Ohio State for three years. It's a much more comfortable fit for him. I, someone asked me, like, well, why do you think that? Watch the film. Watch how bad his footwork was the first two years of his NFL career. Yes, some of that has to do with the fact that he was injured last year and he couldn't feel his ankle, so he'd have to spend extra time warming up just so he could get to playing shape form. But also, as a second-level guy, he really struggled with that last year. They did, I mean, the screen game was non-existent, and that's not the fault of the offensive line necessarily, but even when there was a little bit of a screen game established, when it starts at center, I mean, he had struggles with that. So he I really think wasn't the same player. No, last year he wasn't. And I mean, yes, that you have to factor in injuries. I'm not discounting what what he went through with his shoulder and with his ankle, but I think it's a better fit moving him over to uh, to left guard because you have Josh Klein slot, slot, slotted in over at right guard, and then you can keep your tackle spots. You can continue to develop Brian O'Neill to one day take over for Riley Reef at left tackle, and then go get another tackle in the third or fourth round. You're right. The domino effect of being able to move Elfline to guard in a similar move that happened with Nick Easton, who was a center and Mm -hmm. then moved over to guard. um, It gives them a center for a really long time and and one that isn't just someone who could be good and solid, which I think Elfline is. And I still believe that he will be a solid long term part of this team. 
but you have one with the potential to be a top five player at his position yeah. in Garrett Bradbury. That's where his ceiling is, someone who could be a pro bowler, and that changes the game. There are, are no other centers in this draft that you would say, okay, definitely move Elfline because you have this guy, but Garrett Bradbury is that person, and I think that we see, even in 2017, the impact of a quality center uh, even right away. Pat Elfline mm-hmm. had a big impact right away in 2017, and I think Garrett Bradbury could have the same. So I'm with you on that pick 18th overall. The interesting one that you had on this draft simulation uh, that I see a lot of people on Twitter responding to you about was Dexter Lawrence yes. in the second. And things are going to get really interesting in the second round, I think. There's a ton of players in this draft that are, I think, really good prospects that have second and third round potential. But Dexter Lawrence is somebody I've had an eye on as well. He's massive, like 340 pounds, but also really quick. quick. Like athletic massive. He's not just a Gilbert Brown nose tackle where he stuffs somebody in the middle. I mean, this guy can also rush the passer as well. And I like your point that you made on Twitter about Linval Joseph, after next year, in terms of his contract, they could move on from him if he doesn't play as well. And he's going to be 31 years old after 2019. You do have to start looking down the road at that defensive tackle position, whether it's nose or three tech. Yeah, they have enough depth. It might not be as great as having a Sheldon Richardson in there to run with Joseph at three technique, but you still have Shamar Stefan, who's a very good run stopper. They like what they have with Jalen Holmes. Do we really know? No, because he didn't play. Right. But he was an understudy under Richardson, and just from conversations I've had with people this offseason, they're very excited about that year two jump for him. Jaleel Johnson may have a ceiling here. We've talked about this, that he might just be in that rotational role between three technique and zero. Like, you know, to be a nose tackle. I mean, it wasn't he, it, coming out of college. Refresh my memory because I was I did not cover that draft. They wanted did, him to be a nose. They wanted him to be a nose. He wanted to be a three technique. There seems to be a little bit of a disconnect there, but he, you know, can play either position. And I think that he's found a good fit at either position in the NFL. Draft capital wise, if I'm if he's there at fifty, and I know there's some people who think, oh, it's unrealistic that he'd be there at fifty. Oh, I think Look at this defensive line group. Yeah. They're not all going in the first round. It's impossible. There's like seven guys from Clemson alone that are in this draft. And I think Mel Kuyper Jr. had nine defensive linemen going in his in the first round in his latest mock. That is going to push guys further down mm-hmm. the board. Are they going to be available at fifty when the Vikings pick? Who's to say? But it's realistic to think that they could solve that need on the interior. You need an interior pass rush. And, yeah, maybe he doesn't play, you know, and you have Linville Joseph right now. You're fine. But down the down the road, I would rather have somebody in there who's learning under him right now and is getting some rotational playing time than somebody who's not. And that, to me, is a prospect you don't pass up on. And as soon as you get to the second round, you have to start thinking down the road anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. First round, you can fill needs. Second round and beyond. You might or you might not. Let's go to uh, Brian here on the show. What's up, Brian? Hey, I, I predict they're going to take three offensive line linemen, but in the end it ain't going to matter because Kirk Cousins is a stats quarterback, not a winning quarterback. So he's going to look good at the end of the year, but he ain't going to win. All right, Brian, that's, thanks. That's my opinion. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, now, I would say this about um, Kirk Cousins is – when he has a clean pocket, his numbers go up significantly. That's not to make um, an excuse for last year sure. because he should have been able to get them into the playoffs, and he had pretty good stats. And I agree with some of the sentiment there that a 
lot of those stats came down to touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. Of course. And then you're leading a 70 or 80 yard drive and you get 80 yards and a touchdown on your stat sheet, but it didn't mean anything. It's, but there is something to be said for Cousins and how much better he is when they do give him a clean pocket and when they do run play action and things like that to help him. So maybe it might not mean the difference between, um, winning a Super Bowl and what they did last year, but it could be the difference just getting two extra offensive linemen or one extra offensive lineman that shuffles things around. It could be the difference between going 8-7-1 and one and 10-6 and six and being in the playoffs this time. Well, yeah, and scheme factors into that, too. If you have Gary Kubiak coming in here with Kevin Stefanski working together to establish this outside zone scheme that they want to run, that mind you, last time at this year we were talking about, oh, they're an outside zone team. Well, that didn't really come to fruition the way that we expected it to. If you can get guys who have the same athletic traits, like, honestly, when I look at Garrett Bradbury, I'm seeing flashes of Nick Easton with that nasty athletic edge. I mean, he's very unassuming just looking at him. But talk to Linville Joseph. Talk to guys that go up against him in practice every single day and how much they hate it. Mm -hmm. Because he's just, I can't really say the word that Mike Zimmer called him here. um, But he's just, you know, he is the nasty type edge athletic player that you want at that guard spot. Had very similar athletic traits to what Garrett Brad- Bradbury is projected at. Obviously, Bradbury blew everybody off the charts at the Combine. Guess who else did that? Brian O'Neill last year. Fastest 40 time of any offensive lineman. Another converted tight end playing tackle. There's a lot of similar traits they're going for here. If you can get guys who all embody that, then your outside zone game leads to your play action. Kirk Cousins benefits from that and is better because of it. You can, you know, the ex- lack of explosive plays he talked about when mm-hmm. I asked him what yep. went wrong last week or two weeks ago and just kind of evaluating that. And he said that was the one thing he came back to. Your outside zone leads to your play action, leads to more explosive plays. You're going to be fine if you have guys who ha- are all of that same athletic build and can move successfully run that outside zone scheme. Let's take uh, Doug here before we go to the break. What's up, Doug? Hey, good afternoon. Um, I assume we still need uh, some cap relief. My question is, who realistically are players that we might trade for picks tonight or or in connection with trading for picks? Um, And I assume that's Waynes and or uh, Rudolph. Um, and how how likely is that 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 we would package a player or players, and who who are those players to get some additional picks or to move up? All right, thanks for the call, Doug. Appreciate that. What do you think, Courtney? Well, he brings up two two of the most obvious players with Trey Waynes and Kyle Rudolph. The thing I thought was interesting in listening to Rick Spielman's pre-draft press conference, you know, he's never going to say, yeah, we've gotten a lot of calls on guys on our roster. And he said, you know, we haven't gotten calls on anybody yet. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, is that a smokescreen? Maybe. But I do think that the most realistic option here is you and I spo- you and I spoke about is moving on from Kyle Rudolph. If you can get a Noah Fant in the first round, if by the grace of God, TJ Hawkinson somehow falls out of the top 13, which he won't, but let's just say for for the sake of this argument, he does. I think that you have to go tight end because you potentially, you know, it's an easy way to clear cap room. Will it happen? They have to find a dance partner here. Is it the Raiders? Is it Pittsburgh? It like you mentioned the other day. I mean, who is it? Um, I don't, I just, I'm not, that's the only one I can see. I'm still not sold on Trey Wayne's getting moved tonight, unless they're going to draft or, you know, even tomorrow, unless they draft a cornerback in the second or third round that they know can start right away. 
it is a good sign that what we heard about Mike Hughes and where he's progressing, but still, I'm not sold on a cornerback coming back off of ACL surgery and going to be the same player year one after that. There's still a lot of question marks here, and I wouldn't get rid of Trey Wayne's just yet. Okay, I think I might have the answer for creating this space that is not trading Trey Wayans or Kyle Rudolph. And I'm going to tell you that when we come back. Also, more of your calls, 651-646-8255. Your draft questions for me and Courtney, your bold predictions for tonight's events. We will take everything you have, 651-646-8255. How can they make the cap space? I've got an idea. When we come back, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. It's draft week. Every year, the best college players in the country are picked by NFL teams. On Score North. Monk the Purple Punch. It burns your insides and it makes your eyes water. Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. So the Minnesota Vikings, as far as we know right now, um, have a little bit of a money issue. If you believe the cap exists, if you believe it's just a myth, that's fine. But according to the NFLPA's public salary cap report, they are second to last. Actually, no. They're, if I'm doing my math correctly, because you know numbers are hard, they're dead last with uh, $1,683,682 in available spending money. That is, I don't know, maybe... $100,000 less than what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. So there's the argument of oh, they got to dra- sign their draft class. What are they going to do? They got to clear up the money. Well, the first thing, just to make this clear, you don't have to like sign them all tonight because first off, right. you only have one yeah. player. Um, but in the next, in the coming days, in the coming weeks, you need to clear up some cap space via restructures. Maybe a trade happens. Uh, we've been through some scenarios and we've got some callers on the line who want to give us some bold predictions, but Matthew, you have you apparently I've have figured it. it out. I figured I, it out. I'm I'm very eager to hear this. Please enlighten us. Okay, if this happens, then you have to refer to me as a cap genius or guru. Guru, guru is the best word. Will you for call that? me? Yeah. May, just call me uh, the guru, Matthew Brzezinski. Okay. After this, if this is right. Okay. We've overlooked someone that would clear up. $3.1 million in cap space if the Vikings traded this person and potentially sweetened the pot for another team to take him. So you've heard of the Andrew Wiggins scenarios of tagging a first-round pick with Wiggins to get someone to take the contract off your hands? Yes. What about trading Laquan Treadwell oh. and a seventh-round pick or sixth-round pick for someone else to take Laquan Treadwell off your hands and create $3.1 million of cap space? Here's the problem. They have tried to move him before. But, the, but have they tagged another pick with him to be traded to someone else? If you're a tanking team, you're the Miami Dolphins, let's say, why wouldn't you take another draft pick and someone's Former first round pick wide receiver. Yeah, who they're not. For nothing. Who they're not at this point. I mean, we're starting to see some stuff about fifth year options getting picked up. I would. Yeah, this one. I would not bet everything up. I own that it's not going to get picked up. Um, okay, and, I, and I'm only half joking. I mean, you make a very good scenario. Laquan's cap hit in 2019 is supposed to be what three point three point three point one. So you can move that off the books if another team's willing to take that. I just. We've heard so many times in going into the roster cut down day last year of the scenario, I believe it was with the Patriots, that they were trying to move him. They could not get the deal done. If you throw in what? You said a conditional seventh rounder or this year? 
seventh rounder. How about this year's sixth, sure. sixth or seventh rounder? If yeah. you're if you're a bad team and you're just desperate for football players, no matter if they're in the sixth, seventh, conditional, whatever it is, and someone's going to give you a former first round pick, and the Vikings could be in position in the second or third round to draft more weapons. Uh, in a draft that's got a lot of really good prospects in the second and third round at wide receiver. And I, I think they're in the perfect shape to move on from Laquan Treadwell, give him a fresh start, create $3 million in cap space, get someone in here who's another prospect that could potentially step in. Genius, you're welcome. I had a feeling he would be the one because as I'm going through the options in my head and thinking, okay, is there any possible way that Everson Griffin gets thrown back into this mix? Just given how much money he's set to make and teams always wanting pass rushers, but I can't, I just, my brain won't go there. It just won't go there. Um, So I want to hear if anybody else has something similar to what Matthew has. It's a very, very logical thing to think about, but I won't believe it until I see a dance partner. Love to take your call. 651-646- 8255. We're actually going to go to the phone lines now. John from Cottage Grove has a prediction to make. What's going on, John? Hey, guys. Uh, this actually plays right into what I wanted to talk about uh, for my predictions. First one, uh, non-Vikings related. I would love to uh, watch the Dolphins just try to throw everything they can at Arizona to go up and get Kyler Murray. I think he has an insanely high ceiling and those guys only come around uh, every now and then, and so I'm kind of a corner Dolphins fan, if you will. So I'd uh, love to see them do that. Uh, but Vikings-wise, man, I, I, I promise I'm not trying to be a troll here or anything else like that, but Gree Williams is truly an amazing prospect as well. Uh, and clearing up cap space and things like that, if I'm the Vikings, I really think about trading Xavier Rhodes and moving on from him, clearing his cap space, and I know we would hate it, but, uh, man, drafting Greedy Williams in the first round and then maybe using some draft capital to trade back in uh, or looking at some of that second-round offensive line talent, uh, I would love to see both of those things happen tonight. Thank you, John. I have been on Team Draft a Corner. I am uh, going to be uh, against Rick Spielman's wife in this scenario. She doesn't want a corner in the first round, but, but <laughs> let me lay it out for you. It could happen. Because of that guy, Greedy Williams, who is a really interesting prospect. PFF has him in their top 10 prospects on their big board. And with all the defensive line players that you laid out, there's a good chance he's there. And Rick Spielman said, if there's a Pro Bowl caliber talent at 18, as opposed to someone that you're just reaching for that could be a good player on the offensive line, you're going to take your Pro Bowler. Here's the scenario. Jonah Williams goes. Andre Dillard goes. Jawan Taylor goes. And there's only guards left. Well, you could get one of those guards in the second round, probably. You can't get a future Pro Bowl corner in the second round. I'm just saying there is a scenario that this could happen where they end up with a corner and everyone burns down the stadium, but it actually would be the right move. This happened in our mock draft the other night on ESPN, where Sarah Barshop, our Texans reporter, took Greedy Williams because of pretty much the exact same scenario you talked about. Andre Dillard was off the board. Cody Ford was off the board, John Williams, Jawan Taylor. They need help. They're, I mean, their tackle spots are probably their biggest concern. And you're not going to reach for somebody who's the 30th best player on your board. If you want a Caleb McGrary, I mean, you're not going to, you can get Dalton Reisner in the second round. And they have two picks, I believe it's 51 and 52 or 53 and 52 and 53 back to back that they could get offensive line help right there. Vikings could be in a very similar situation. As you mentioned, 
But let's not forget, Garrett Bradbury's not going to be there in the second round. Those, you know, those type of guys where right. that's a that's a potential franchise center for you. He's not going to be there in the second round. So it's just a matter of where do you want to hedge most? Are you confident that your cornerback depth is going to be okay? Then stay with what you have and go offensive line. Do you are you really concerned that the cap space is not like you don't have something that's completely behind the scenes that nobody's talking about right now? Like, and you need to move Trey Wayne, you need to move Xavier Rhodes. Okay. But then you have to, like, if, if they're going to move a corner, and this is something people are not going to like to hear, to create the cap space to do that, that's fine. Move Trey Waynes, move Xavier Rhodes. You have to draft somebody in the first round. You have to find their media to place replacement at 18. And that's the scenario that makes a ton of sense. If you take Greedy Williams in the first round and you trade Trey Wayans for a second round pick to a team that has two second round picks like Indianapolis, for example. Or like Houston. Or like Houston, you end up with two second round picks where you could take two swings at an offensive lineman or an offensive lineman and a tight end. This This team really does feel like they are one draft pick away from having an amazing draft, like one more pick within these first three rounds. And I think that's why there is some conversation about moving down. There is also the counterpoint there that there's only like 15 to 20 first round talents in every draft, and you're sitting at the end of that. So if you trade out of that, you're talking about drafting second round talents while still in the first round, yeah. if that makes sense. So I, I can even go if back you trade back on, into the first round, you're still getting somebody who is probably towing that line. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's where the argument comes in of drafting a corner and Vikings fans, I think, would be OK with that scenario if it was Wayne's for a second and you draft Greedy Williams. So basically you're getting someone that you project as a high end talent who could step in and play right away because he's played at LSU against high level competition then I think it's sellable. Other than that, it probably isn't. What about Byron Murphy? Would you take him at 18? Probably not the same type of fit as Greedy Williams. Um, I mean, Greedy is the what? He's the highest highest rated corner in the draft. He's also 6'1 and Mm -hmm. runs a 4'3", which Mike Zimmer would love. And Murphy is not as quick and is also, I think, a zone type yeah. of corner. Yeah, and I mean, that fits what the Eagles want to do perfectly. Right, so. that, that, that doesn't fine. really fit what Mike Zimmer wants to do playing man press with these big, giant, long guys like Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes. So that is the scenario. I'm just saying that that the cornerback thing could happen. I want to mention mine before I forget. So we were talking about all of our wild things that could happen. Bold predictions. Bold predictions. We would love to hear yours, 651-646-8255. So I had to put mine out the other day. Um, I didn't go corner because I just, I can see it, but I also could see something else where, just in, in hearing some of the talk about the defensive line and, oh, well, what if such and such, what if Rashawn Gary falls to the Vikings at 18, just from people I've been talking with, that that doesn't seem that likely that they'd go after him. Corner, maybe, but here's mine. I like the whole idea that you're going with here that if you have to get rid of somebody to create cap space you find his immediate replacement if you did that with Kyle Rudolph if you moved him off of your books tonight then you go after Noah Fant if he is there at at 18 because he's your immediate replacement he's athletic as heck he gives Kirk Cousins another weapon over the middle of the field which he so desperately needs Mm -hmm. Um, and he can be everything Rudolph is and more I think that it would it still kind of puts you in a hole because you really don't have that. I mean, yeah, he's an F tight end being your number one tight end. He's not, I mean, you're moving him around. You can do a lot of things as a blocker. I don't know if he's as strong as Rudolph right now, 
but you can you can find ways around that. Um, but that would be my bold prediction that they draft Rudolph's replacement and also move him off at the same time. Do I think it's realistic to happen? I'd give it maybe like a thirty percent chance, maybe a little bit less. But um, you know, who's to say at this point? This is it's it's been so quiet around this team that that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. What is uh, your sense about Kyle Rudolph and the restructure conversation? Uh, I have no doubts that the Minnesota Vikings have gone to Kyle Rudolph and asked about a restructure, even though he said that they haven't. I think mm-hmm. that they have. It's just common sense. Rob Brzezinski didn't miss one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Just getting over a draft cold. You know, I draft simmed so often that I stayed up late and was he outside got draft simming. And, okay, no, I'm good. Uh, but anyway, w- what's your feeling on that? I, I would guess that even if he's going to leave in free agency after next year, that the Vikings want to have him for this year because Mm -hmm. they're in win-now mode and they wouldn't want to trade him away. But I would also think if you were going to get a replacement tight end like TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, especially Hawkinson who can step in right away, that might be the difference. Fant is like a high-ceiling guy, but you're not sure right away. Hawkinson, it seems, is an impact right away. If somehow he drops and you get him, then I think that does open you up to potentially moving Kyle Rudolph. Well, I don't think that they're, I just don't think they're going to get him unless they trade up. I really don't. Every draft I've seen, uh, I'm looking in, I think this was Kuyper's, this McShay's last one that he did. He has Fant going to Green Bay at 12. I was running a draft since um, we were talking. And, oh good, I'm excited to hear what it is. But uh, I don't see him dropping out of the top 15. If he does, then I think you have to absolutely go get him. I think Fant gets a lot of flack because people are concerned about, is he going to put his body on the line in college? He didn't play in the bowl game. There were moments that he looked like he was, for Who lack cares of a better play the bowl game? I agree, but there's moments, for lack of a better term, that he looked like he was coasting a little bit his final season at Iowa. So that's where that's where I just have a little bit of pause. Is he going to be as high? I mean, he has got, he's a combine, what do they call him? Like combine grinder? Combine blows you away at the combine. Yeah. That's great. Won the combine. He won the combine, but will that pay off and will that, how will that play out in the NFL? I just think that there's probably a little bit more question mark with Noah, Noah Fant than there is um, with TJ Hawkinson. So that to me, and even in certain ones, I actually got that wrong. Um, in this last McShay thing, he had Fant going to the Packers at 12. Oh, interesting. So it looks like he was taken ahead of Hawkinson or that Hawkinson was that fell down. No, he was taken ahead of Hawkinson. So that's that's to be expected. They had Hawkinson here going to Jacksonville at seven and then Noah Fant to twelve. Um but either I think honestly either case you could go with either of them and still move Rudolph off the books. But to your point about like what do I make of the whole conversation Here's here's this has always kind of been my theory that maybe he's been trying to negotiate like, OK, I will I will I will convert my you know base salary to a signing bonus. That's fine. I'll do this. But I want to negotiate another two years onto my contract. Okay, yeah, that makes that sense. to me is where maybe the holdup is. And obviously we've never nothing's leaked out about that yet, but that would make sense. OK, I'll I'll do what you want to do. I will go ahead and, and try to help the team win a Super Bowl by getting more weapons. But leverage wise here i've got to get something out of it for me that's more than just getting my base salary over however many years you're going to spread it out to help the cap i want another two years under my deal okay we're going to take phone calls when we come back um if you're on hold hang on we'll get to you and also i've got a really interesting situation in the first round with a draft sim so i want to be you and i inside the draft room fighting this one out okay because it's it's really interesting between Three players here in the first round. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Draft day here on Purple Daily. 
It's Draft Week. Every year, the best college players in the country are picked by NFL teams. On Score North. Because the Vikings are on your mind. All the time! Not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. Back here on Purple Daily, we're going to go inside the draft room with me and Courtney in a second and a draft sim in an interesting scenario that I'm running right now. You're listening to Purple Daily. It's draft day. We'll go two hours, but really it's all day because I'll be on after that, have a couple of guests coming on and then Mackie and Judd with Rami. And we are live here tonight and on every social media platform you've ever heard of tonight here on the station. So if you are looking for draft coverage, We have got you right here. I'll be here, the rest of the crew as well, uh, to break it all down. We'll take your phone calls, the whole thing. It'll be lots of fun for draft night. Uh, Let's go to Andy in Rochester. What's going on, Andy? Hey, man. First off, I'd like to say you guys and Andy Carlson have the best shows. Love them. Watch on YouTube all the time. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right. So kind of a bold prediction, kind of. How about, so it looks like we're going to have to get ahead of the Packers to do anything with Noah Fant or T.J. Hawkinson. And they're obviously probably going to be Pro Bowl talents in the league, I would have to say. So what if we traded up for someone, say like the Bengals, that was looking at Dwayne Haskins pretty heavy. And they, we got them to trade with us. And then we got rid of Trey Wayne, well, to grab Noah Fant or T.J. Hawkinson. Then got rid of Waynes, Rhodes, or Rudolph, like we've been talking about. And then got a second and third, possibly. And then in the second round, get someone like Dalton Reisner or Debo Samuel. What do you think? See, this is why. Thanks for the call, Andy. This I love is... calls like that because I was educated. He clearly knew what he wanted, and he gave us multiple layers here to sift through. So thank you for that. And I just love trades. Trades I, are great. They make the things trades, messy, the better. and they're fun. The, the only issue with trading up, and I think it would be worth it for TJ Hawkinson, considering where they stand with tight end and how good he is, uh, it's just the draft capital. Issue. Yeah, where are you where are you getting that from? You're not you're definitely Rick Spielman's not trading anything away from 2020. Let's just put this out now for anybody who wants to call in and suggest they're giving. But these are you bold. Know, so you know, yeah, he could get bold. Oh, he could get there's bold. There's contract but situations. There's hot seats. I this know, could be but bold. this don't makes my stomach hurt. About that. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I just all right, I just don't think any. There's no 2020 conditional picks, but where you do have. You have eight picks this draft. No fifth rounder currently. Multiple towards the end of the. I think it's two in the two in the seventh round. So, I mean they've got they've got capital, but to trade up that high, are you including a player? Did he say he was including Rudolph well, in that, that or Wayne's or Rose? Yes. Yeah, trade away Wayne's uh, to get a second or third, and then use yeah. that to move up. But you could th- do that. That's where it's hard to find the balances. How do you find the draft capital to get up much higher? And the other thing is too. Even if you don't get those guys at eighteen, there should be pretty good prospects there. True, and if you do get those guys, and you're trading to get, you know, trading up to get a Hawkinson, um, what are you doing with the, if you lose one of your second or third rounders? Do you have the offensive line help you need? Like, can you can you go? Can are you sure that you're going to get? You know, Nate Davis, the guard from Charlotte, to me is the only one I would think who would be there in the third round, who is automatically, you know, okay, at least he's going to come in and compete right away, like a true competition body, not just a camp body that you're going to get fourth round and beyond. That is definitely the issue is if you're using draft capital to trade up for a tight end, do not forget as the Vikings sometimes do that there are needs on the offensive line. You could actually, I mean, according to uh, what happened last year, you could just max protect all time. 
It's fine. That was a joke. Use Tyler Conklin, David Morgan, TJ Hawkinson, and Kyle <laughs> Rudolph as all of your receivers yes. for every play, and maybe CJ Ham as well. Uh, let's go to Hector in New York. What's up, Hector? Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm, I really love your guys' show. You're doing a great thing for the Vikings. I love that very much. Thanks, man. And I've been a Viking fan for over 47 years, so I've seen it all. You've I'm seen some things, say, Hector. Huh? You've seen some things. I did. I've, I've had my heart broken not by a girl, but by the Vikings <laughs> when that infamous push-off against the Cowboys. <laughs> But, uh, let's not rehash old, old wounds. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that I have, my head says that we should go for best player available. But my heart says either Dalton Reisner or Chris Linson. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hector. Really appreciate the call. And uh, you know that is going to be the debate here because mm-hmm. there might not it might not be the case that the best player available is an offensive lineman. Those two things might not match up. And I saw the newspaper today did kind of a back and forth column between Chip and Jim Suhan about, you know, the last time they reached for need, they took Christian Ponder. Oh, they reached. They did. They reached big time for that. That's not your regular reach. No, that's that's like like an absurd reach. Yeah, that was that was there was only one person. I mean, Rick pulled the trigger on that. That was his first draft taking over is when the triangle got disbanded. That was 2012. That was that was not good. Uh, let's go to Michael in uh, Arizona. How are you, Michael? Pretty good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, man. What's going on? Uh, nothing. I, I kind of like agree with the guy from a couple uh, couple calls ago. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is is probably the best blocking tight end out of Iowa. Um, I know Noah Fant might be there at 18. I just don't. Uh, I don't think that we should go offensive line. I think we can get that in the second round. Maybe make some trades. Get maybe two picks in the second round. Maybe trade Trey Waynes for. Another second-round pick, get a couple offensive linemen. The draft is full of offensive linemen, so I think we should stick with the tight end. All right, Michael, thank you for the call. And, and you know, Rick Spielman said as much as what mm-hmm. Michael just said. is Not going to reach. This is, well, not going to reach, but also this is a draft that is chock full of a good number of offensive linemen. You think about And defensive year, linemen. He said this was the best depth he's seen at either position. Right, so that pushes a lot of the offensive linemen down the board a bit. But, you know, last year, if you think about it, that was a deep offensive line class two last year. Mm-hmm. And there was widespread freak out, including us on the Purple Podcast, about the, the, run. Run, the run on offensive linemen. But the Vikings still came away with a guy that started in year one and has a high ceiling. That just really spoke to the depth of that class that they got Brian O'Neill where they did. And if you look at that and you look at Pat Elfline in the third, you could say, unless there's one of the top guys, unless it's Dillard, unless it's Jonah Williams then you have to go best player available because otherwise you're drafting someone that's the 45th best player at number 18, and that wouldn't make sense. No, it wouldn't. And I know that Rick Spielman has been steadfast uh, to his credit that they're not going to take a player who's developed lower just to fill a need. And that's a smart draft strategy because you do get yourself in trouble doing that as they did before um, with the Christian Ponder pick that you had mentioned. And, And certainly with Laquan Treadwell, I think you can fit into that argument too. But my thing is with the Dalton Reisner, Greg Little, Titus Howard, Caleb McGrary, Yadni Kajust. I mean, yeah, those are all guys who have second round grades. Are they going to be there for you when you when you expect them to be at 50? They said this on on Tuesday. Rick Spielman said, yeah, like the run happened earlier than we anticipated on offensive linemen. And they were lucky to get Brian O'Neill where they did at 62 last year. 
You don't want to find yourself in that same situation where you're seeing your guys fly off the board and your draft board collapsing in the second round because you you could have gone early, but you said, okay, let's let's get something else here. Let's get a cornerback. Let's get a tight end. Let's go best player available. And, and then you find yourself in a hole because it's like, okay, this guy's not a scheme fit. This guy is, is you know, not what we want. This is not what we want with our outside zone scheme on the offensive line. We, we need guys who can move laterally. You know, they're just, I think you run into a wall there. And that's kind of what scares me as I'm looking through this. Let's take uh, Peter here from South Dakota. Hi, Peter. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. What's uh, on your mind? Uh, well, I got one scenario with uh, the Vikings. If Cody Ford's available, um, I'd go forward. But uh, if he's gone, I could I could also see the Vikings going cornerback again. They're a defensive needy team. If Greedy Williams is there, um, he's physical. But if they do draft uh, Greedy, I could see him uh, – actually clearing up some cap space and uh, possibly trading him to the Raiders and get, with a fifth-round pick or something. Or no, we don't have a fifth, like a low-end pick, and get him back into that 24th pick overall um, and getting an offensive line there. Um, that's what I that, – I know it's a reach, but I could see him doing cornerback and then an offensive line with also getting, having two picks in the first. Thanks for the call, Peter. Appreciate that. We're actually getting a whole bunch of calls, so we're going to put a pin in this for now. Go to break. Coming up after the break, I'm going to take you inside of the bunker that we're currently in. It it just seems fitting that we're going to be doing a draft sim. We're going to be making our GM picks here. We're putting our GM hats on, and we are going to really, truly debate out some first-round picks. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North.